Can Drake London continue the legacy of Julio Jones and Roddy White as the Falcons' top-tier weapon at wide receiver? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank each and every one of you that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers following their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we are continuing our series talking about each position group as we head into training camp. And we'll start out today's conversation talking about Drake London continuing the legacy, right, of the top tier wide receiver ones that we've had really over the last, for the majority of the last 30 years, but especially over the last, you know, decade and a half with Roddy White and Julio Jones. Uh, and we'll get into that as kind of the big story of the season. Like basically, it's the question is, how good of a receiver can Drake London be, right? And we think Drake London can be a pretty good receiver. He can be the guy in the same ways that Julio and Roddy were the guy for the better part of 15 years here in Atlanta. Now, when it comes to him being Julio, it's probably not going to be Julio. And of course, you know, I got to represent my guy. He's going to go at, at some point up on the on the wall behind me as uh, one of the goats. But my favorite Julio stat, right, or one of my favorite Julio stats, because there's so many, is that if you look at Julio's numbers from 2014 to 2019, right, where he was, you know, at his peak and healthy, he led the NFL during that span of years with 151 20 plus yard plays. And the gap between him and who was number two on that list, who was DeAndre Hopkins, was the same as the gap between DeAndre Hopkins, the number two guy, and the number 15 guy. And so clearly Julio was an absolute outlier. He was a guy from another galaxy. And we thank him each and every day uh, for descending upon this planet and playing for the Atlanta Falcons for a decade. And when it comes to being those types of intergalactic freaks, while I don't think it's fair to put any of those expectations that someone's going to be a Julio Jones, uh, you know, in moving forward, uh, you know, if anybody's probably going to be uh, that type of intergalactic fleet freak in this offense, it's probably more likely to be Kyle Pitts or B. John Robinson than necessarily Drake London. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Drake London won't be very good in this offense and, and won't be this team's, you know, most consistent and reliable producer in similar ways that Roddy White was that for the Falcons for several years. And we know that Roddy was, you know, one of the top 10 to 15 receivers, depending on your feelings. And certainly in 2010, when he had his peak year, was probably a top five receiver in that year. But, you know, ranking is not that important because it's really about how you affect and impact your team and your offense. And that's why I don't necessarily get too caught up in rankings here on this podcast because, you know, it's to me the question is how you help me win on Sundays. But when we talk about that impact and effect on offense, what that is for Drake London, what it, like it was with Roddy White and to a lesser degree with Julio Jones, you know, that's that reliable security blanket that is that chain mover that basically when your offense needs a play, he's the guy that makes the play. 
right? And we've talked in the past about, you know, potential ways that the Falcons may be limited on offense in 2023. And this is where Drake London could have a significant impact on this team, which is one of those ways is the tendency that they may have to rely on a lot of long methodical drives versus being able to get a lot of chunk yards with explosive plays. And the second way they may be limited is, uh, you know, we've talked with Matt Waldman in the past about Desmond Ritter's potential issues, you know, reading leverage against man coverage and being able to attack man coverage effectively. And Drake London can certainly help help mitigate those issues, you know, with, with the long drives, you know, that means a lot of third downs. And so that means Drake London being that sort of chain mover on those third downs. And we also know that teams tend to deploy man coverage the most on those critical third down situations. And so that means Drake London can help Desmeritor by being that reliable man beater uh, when those one-on-one situations happen. And we saw flashes of that from Drake London over those final four games, which Ritter started. And, you know, I called it the Drake London show, primarily because the offense, the passing offense especially, ran through Drake London. Uh, and you, when you looked at Ritter's efficiency numbers when he threw the ball and targeted Drake London, it was very good. When you saw his efficiency numbers throwing to literally anybody else, it was not very good. And, you know, the Falcons hope to rectify that with the additions they've made at running back and receiver and tight end this offseason. But, you know, they're still going to rely heavily on that connection between Ritter and London, and that connection is key, right? We, we saw Ritter trust in Drake London uh, enough to throw into double coverage at times. And, and that may, you know, create problems in the future uh, if he continues to do that. But the, the fact that Drake London was seen as um, that sort of security blanket and I think was generally effective and reliable when, you know, he was bracketed in, in those situations, I think speaks to one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of Drake London. And I've in the past called him a, a psychopath and, what I mean by that is, you know, he's kind of hyper competitive, right? He's he's kind of wired the right way that he's going to rise to those challenges and be, you know, potentially for the Atlanta Falcons moving forward, similar to what we've seen from other receivers, you know, that are that reliable go to weapon like Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Anquan Bolden, Chris Godwin type of receivers. And you may note uh, all four of those players share something in common where I think many would categorize them as big or power slot receivers. And I think Drake's ability to, to create mismatches in the slot is very intriguing, right? Given his size, given his route running, that you look at the numbers, you know, looking at PFF's yards per route run metric, their wide receiver efficiency metric, Drake London's uh, yards per route run was 2.60 from the slot, which was the sixth best in the NFL among slot receivers. And I'll be curious to see if the Falcons utilize Drake more in the slot in 2023. You know, I, I think they will try to get him involved, but it may be reserved for critical down situations, third downs, red zone, as opposed to every single, you know, passing opportunities. Cause the Falcons have a lot of other players that are also potentially good slot receivers uh, elsewhere on the team. And that's not to sit here and say that Drake is lacking in some way as an outside receiver. I think he's very good there. I just don't think he's necessarily approaching the upper tiers of the NFL when it comes to being an outside receiver, where typically in the NFL, you're looking for guys that are either elite separators or bring speed to the equation. And while Drake, I think does a solid job separating due to his good route running, you know, he's not necessarily separating because of natural quickness in the same ways that we saw someone like a Calvin Ridley uh, being able to just separate easily uh, from, uh, you know, corners. And of course, Drake's speed is not necessarily, you know, elite or by any means, it's just sort of okay on that. And I don't say all that stuff to knock Drake London. I'm just trying to explain to you why I have certain expectations because, you know, I'm evaluating the player and I say, okay, he does these things well. And he may not do these things as well. And so therefore, 
It's likely that, you know, if Drake is going to reach the upper tiers of being one of these receivers, whether, you know, that's top five, top 15, whatever, you know, you want to uh, define it as, you know, it's more likely, in my opinion, that that will come if and when he's featured uh, in the slot uh, moving forward. So whether Drake is eighth or 18th in various people's wide receiver rankings is inconsequential to me, but it's really about the value that he has on the offense and whatever number you want to put on that. He has a lot of value because at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be measured in him getting the job done. And I think Drake certainly is set up to do so. So we'll move on from Drake London and talk about the Falcons number two and number three receivers and what Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller are going to bring and whether or not the Falcons are going to make that upgrade that you've heard me talk about so much over the last month or so but first guys baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place than to check out the action at FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because news customers right now can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that means you get a thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win you can't lose and whether you want to bet on major league baseball you want to bet on the upcoming NFL season you know the Falcons winning the division Bijan Robinson offensive rookie of the year Falcons go into the Super Bowl, whatever you want, you can do so at America's number one sports book. I love their parlay builder for Major League Baseball. You can kind of select the players, mix and match, you know, who's going to get runs, hits, homers, right? Uh, and parlays allow you to bet a little so that you can win a lot. So, you know, whatever you want, head on over to FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash locked on and use your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, an official partner of major league baseball so continuing our conversation right we talked about the kind of the story of the season is how good of a receiver can drake london be i think he's going to be very good i think the story of the summer is going to be are mac hollins and scotty miller good enough to be the falcons number two and number three receivers right and if you've been an everyday here on this podcast over the last six or so weeks of this podcast, you've heard me talk a lot about the Falcons' potential to upgrade their number two wide receiver. And I think the reasons why that has been a conversation should be pretty self-evident. You know, adding another reliable option, whether that be on third downs, red zone, or the ability to increase the number of explosive plays in this offense should be obvious why that's valuable to this team. And, you know, I think the counter has always been like, oh, well, we're a run-first team. And, you know, the the whoever that number two receiver is not going to get a large uh, amount of production and that's used to kind of downplay that need and i understand that you heard me on yesterday's episode talk about how this offense's foundation is the running game and they're absolutely going to be a run first team but the goal should be to when you do throw the ball even if you don't throw the ball a lot to be as efficient and as explosive as you possibly can be and you know when we talk about you know the lack of volume that a number two wide receiver will get in this offense you know i sit here and i go like who cares about volume, right? You know, that's fantasy football stuff. That's not reality football. Reality football is more about efficiency. And, you know, do you, did you convert the third and seven? Did you score when you got to the red zone? Like that's the stuff that really matters and, and shapes the outcomes of uh, reality football as opposed to fantasy football. But we're not going to spend much time talking about, you know, Corey Davis or Hunter Renfro or any of the other receivers that could be that option for the Falcons moving forward. Let's talk about the receivers that the Falcons do have, which is Matt Collins and Scotty Miller and Matt Collins is that lead candidate to be that number two receiver. He checks a lot of the boxes that you know Arthur Smith likes as a wide receiver in this offense. He brings size at 6'4", 220. He runs a limited route tree, you might say. 
right? You know, there was a stat according to PFF that Mac Hollins led the league in the uh, number of like in-breaking routes last year and, and you know, running those digs uh, uh, that, you know, Arthur Smith loves uh, in this offense. And when you go back and you look at the vast majority of Mac Hollins' targets in Las Vegas last year, it's a lot of digs, it's a lot of slants, it's a lot of fades, it's a lot of outs, right? And I've joked in the past that, you know, Arthur Smith's route tree for an outside receiver is basically those four routes, digs, slants, fades, and outs, right? The other aspect of Mac Hollins' game that I think is going to be intriguing for the Falcons is his blocking ability, right? Guess who was PFF's sixth highest graded run blocker uh, at the wide receiver position last year? Matt Collins. So he checks a lot of the boxes that Arthur Smith wants in that number two. And we've compared Matt Collins favorably to Muhammad Sanu in the past. And, you know, Sanu also was not a high volume wide receiver playing opposite in a, a high volume number one receiver in Julio Jones here. And that's similar to exactly what Matt Collins was in Las Vegas last year playing opposite Devontae Adams, right? And that's the type of player that's more of a role player than necessarily a, you know, you know, premier number two receiver. And so, you know, the question with Sanu was, and the question with Matt Collins will be, is if he doesn't have that true alpha number one wide receiver like a Julio, like a Devontae Adams, how effective is he going to be? And then again, as I just described, I'm a big fan of Drake London, but I don't think he's going to be on that level as arguably the best receiver in the league like Devontae Adams has been the last couple of years and like Julio was during his prime when Sanu was here. So uh, that suggests that maybe, you know, that number two receiver, in this case, Matt Collins, is going to have to sort of carry his own weight a little bit more. And I think it's a fair to question if he is capable of doing more than that but i think the falcons bet is kind of like okay if we don't have one julio or one Devonte adams the combination of maybe drake london and kyle pitts will have a similar effect and that will allow matt collins to settle in as that role player and we kind of saw that you know in in sanu's best years right right where or the falcons best years when sanu was here i should say right uh where sanu was kind of more of the you know if he was a number two, he was like the number two B receiver because the two A was more Taylor Gabriel in uh, Calvin Ridley in 2016 and 2018. And while, you know, of course, longtime listeners know I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Muhammad Sanu. The one thing I will say in Matt Collins' favor when comparing him to Muhammad Sanu is the Falcons are only paying him, you know, on a one year, $2.5 million contract rather than paying the four years $25 million that the Falcons wound up giving Sanu over his time here in Atlanta. So Matt Collins, if he is just Muhammad Sanu, we are actually getting him for a, a great bargain, which those of you that recall was my biggest beef with the Sanu signing was it's like we paid a lot for a Matt Collins type of player, if you ask me. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Scotty Miller, because we're talking about Taylor Gabriel and Calvin Ridley, you know, sort of combining to be, you know, with the Sanu type of receiver. And that's kind of, I think what Scotty Miller has the potential to be and have a similar impact to what Taylor Gabriel had in that 2016 season with the ability to generate those explosive plays, right? The Falcons are not an offense that are going to feature a lot of 11 personnel that three wide receiver sets this year. You know, they're near the bottom of the league in terms of that. And we've talked in the past about the Falcons will try to use other personnel groupings to kind of mimic uh, 11 personnel, those three wide receiver sets. So uh, they'll use 12 personnel, the two tight end sets, and have Pitts or, or John o. Smith potentially line up more as a wide receiver. They'll use the 21 personnel, personnel with two running backs, right? And they'll put Bijan and or Cordero Patterson on the field as that second running back and maybe motion them out to the wide receiver out wide or to the slot or whatever. And so because of that, Scotty Miller as that number three is not going to get a ton of opportunities and it's going to be on him to do what Taylor Gabriel did 
particularly in the second half of that 2016 season, is to maximize his opportunities, right? We saw that with Taylor Gabriel, who touched the ball 31 times in the last eight games, scored seven touchdowns on those 31 touches. That's an incredible ability. He averaged about 17 yards per touch. And to, for the point of comparison, you look at Tariq Hill's, uh, Tyreek Hill's best season in the NFL in terms of yards per touch, it was 15 yards per touch. So Taylor Gabriel clips that in 2016. And you also look at Scotty Miller, right? Early in his career in Tampa Bay, not so much the last two years, but early in his career in Tampa Bay, you know, he was averaging about 14 yards per touch. So clearly that's indicating to you guys the, the big play potential, right? We're talking about numbers, you know, comparable to what Tyreek Hill does and what Taylor Gabriel did in the second half of that 2016 season. Um, and, you know, I think like Taylor Gabriel, the Falcons with Scotty Miller can be very creative with the ways that they get him the ball, whether that's screens and reverses and jet sweeps, in addition to, you know, him lining up in the slot and running those option routes and whatever else. And also, you know, lining up outside and taking those design deep shots, whether that's the go balls or deep posts or whatever. Right. Because I think Scotty Miller, like Taylor Gabriel, you know, since Taylor Gabriel, I think Scotty Miller is probably the front runner to be considered the fastest receiver the Falcons have had if we're not also counting Julio Jones. But like, it's like to me in terms of having that turbo level speed that Taylor Gabriel had, you know, it's either Scotty Miller or Marvin Hall. That's at the top of that rankings uh, when it comes to who's the fastest guy. And those are guys that truly can threaten defenses deep. And so, despite the fact that we spent a lot of time on this podcast uh, in May and June talking about the potential of the Falcons upgrading the wide receiver position, I think because of, you know, what Hollins and, and Miller have the potential to be in this offense, I think the Falcons will think that they can afford to be patient at that position. And should an opportunity say, you know, the Jets decide to part ways with Corey Davis later this summer or early in the season, and that opportunity to upgrade that position comes a knocking, I do think the Falcons will potentially answer that. But if not, I think they'll be comfortable rolling with their current options in Hollins and Miller and potentially kick that can to upgrade that wide receiver wide receiver two position down the road potentially into the offseason. So we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. But we'll wrap up today's Locked on Falcons guys uh, talking about the rest of the wide receiver core and why special teams is going to matter so much uh, for, you know, who's going to make this roster. And we'll continue that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But first, guys, I want to give a shout out to the everydayers uh, who, when they're checking out their first listen tomorrow, you know, uh, they'll be listening to me break down the tight end position, of course, talking quite a bit about Kyle Pitts. And we'll also, uh, you know, would like to plug the Locked on Hawks podcast because there's so much stuff going on with the Atlanta Hawks um, coming off the draft free agencies right around the corner, making trades, all that stuff and more. So find out what Brad Rowland has to say about the latest on the Atlanta Hawks. And you can, of course, you can find it on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're talking about how special teams matter for the rest of this wide receiver group. Because once you get past the top three guys, you know, the, the ability to make the roster and contribute at wide receiver is kind of going to rest on your ability to perform an impact on special teams. And that's why Kadero Hodge is kind of the de facto locked for the number four wide receiver position or near lock to fill that role because of his value as a gunner on punt coverage on special teams. And, and it doesn't hurt that, you know, Kadero Hodge contributed occasionally on offense, you know, blocking, you know, moving the chains, generating an explosive player two as well. So that helps uh, if he's forced into the lineup, but that number five wide receiver spot behind Kadero Hodge, who's going to be the number four um, may wind up, 
being determined by who wins the punt return job. Boy, Avery Williams out for the season. You know, that spot is wide open for grabs. And we, we heard Arthur Smith mention four players by name, and it, it won't necessarily mean that those are the only four guys that are going to win the job, but those are potentially the four front runners. And he mentioned two corners and Mike Ford and D Alford. And he also mentioned two receivers and Penny Hart and Josh Ali. And, you know, I think it toss up whoever's going to win those jobs. You know, I don't have a horse in a race or anything like that, but you know, if the punt return job does wind up getting won by one of those two corners, then I do think that's going to open the door for others to potentially, you know, win that number five wide receiver spot over guys like Hart and Ali. And I think then offensive impact could be part of the equation, but I still think that's going to be a special teams forward type of position that, you know, in the event of an injury, you know, on the upper levels of the Falcons wide receiver depth chart, even then that wide receiver five is still not going to get a lot of run. Like you would have to have like three of the top three receivers all go down before that wide receiver is going to get significant snaps on offense. So again, special teams is still going to matter quite a bit for that guy's ability to make the roster. But, you know, if that fifth spot isn't going to the punt returner, then I think guys like Frank Darby, Penny Hart, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who have NFL experience covering kicks and punts, you know, does give them a potential leg up uh, in that regard. But it'll be interesting to see who else emerges, right? We we don't have Jared Bernhardt, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders, who captured the hearts and minds of Falcon fans last summer, as so many young, you know, wide receivers tend to do in training camp. And I'll be curious to see if someone can kind of fill that void as, you know, you know, the, you know, we, we're all of us Bernie bros are looking for someone uh, to capture our hearts. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I think that's an opportunity for, you know, the UDFAs like Keelan Harris and Xavier, a.k.a. Zay Malone. They can stand out in that regard. Chris Blair, who the Falcons picked up from the XFL, you know, has that sort of size and speed that. You know, Arthur Smith covets in this offense being 6'2", 200 plus pounds with sub four five speed. You know, there aren't many guys in this room, uh, this wide receiver room that are, you know, built like that, like Chris Blair. So that's an opportunity for him to stand out. You know, you have Slade Borden, the sort of classic slot receiver from Alabama. But the good thing that Slade Borden has come, going for him was he played quite a bit of special teams at Alabama. Uh, so that's probably very promising for his NFL future, as well as he's already kind of generated a little bit of buzz in OTAs so far. So we'll see, you know, how those guys impact and, and whether or not, you know, those guys can show that they have not only upside on offense, but also find ways to, you know, potentially carve out roles on special teams because I do think that is going to, you know, also help their ability to make the roster. But I think, you know, finding somebody who has a little bit of developmental upside on offense does make sense because, you know, Mac Hollins, Scotty Miller, and Kadero uh, Hodge are all on one-year contracts. And so you would like to have somebody else in the room, you know, at the end of the season under contract uh, beyond Drake London that maybe you could pencil in to replace one or more of those guys. Probably not going to have any, you know, number five receiver leapfrog all the way up to number two wide receiver uh, next year. But, you know, potentially finding, you know, that Keelan Harris or Zay Malone player could, you know, be a similar slot receiver as, you know, Scotty Miller, right? A ready-made replacement. Or one of these guys could be, you know, an ace gunner uh, in the same way of Kadero High so that the Falcons could feel comfortable letting one or more of those impending free agents in. Hollins, Miller, and Hodge walk because they have a ready-made replacement. So we'll just have to see uh, who sort of steps up in that regard, and we'll have to sort of see if, you know, the Fal the competition that the Falcons have at wide receiver, you know, makes them, by the time we get to week one of the regular season in September, uh, you know, do they feel comfortable with the guys they have, or is this something that they're going to explore? And, of course, you know, 
That's going to be an ongoing conversation all summer long, but that's going to end our conversation here on today's Lockdown Falcons. And of course, ultimately, you know, when we talk about the wide receiver position and we talk about this offense in general, we kind of know that, you know, or at least I believe that the ceiling of this offense will potentially be determined by their ability to generate explosive plays. You know, a big reason why I think the Falcons were successful, you know, making a deep postseason run in 2012 versus any other year, um, you know, outside of 2016 and 2017 uh, was due to their ability to generate explosive plays, right? That's what the 2012 offense was able to do in that postseason that the previous year's offenses weren't able to do. Uh, And so ultimately because of our, I'm assuming your in my expectations that this team is going to make a deep run uh, now and play some meaningful games in January. Ultimately, if they're going to win games in January, you know, I do think that explosive capability will factor into that. And we'll see if these wide receivers can live up to expectations, whether that's, you know, Drake London, Hollins, uh, Scotty Miller or somebody else, uh, you know, to generate those explosive plays. But maybe the conversation about explosive plays is better served waiting till tomorrow's episode when we talk about the tight end position and maybe Kyle Pitts is that guy that can raise the ceiling of this Falcons offense. So that will be a topic we will explore on tomorrow's breakdown of the tight end position. Make sure it is your first listen by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, check out the Locked On NFL podcast as your second listen. Check out Locked On Hawks uh, to get the lowdown on the latest on the Atlanta Hawks. Really appreciate it, guys. Till then.